0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Missy Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. JR, it's good to see you, man. Always great to be with you, Doug. Yeah, I feel like we have had uh, some pretty busy schedules, so we haven't had a ton of time together. So it's just good catching up. Yeah, yeah. Right before we got on, man, we were going
1: real deep. I had <laughs> some conversation about pain and redemption and gratitude, so that was... Yeah, that was helpful and healing for me. So, same here. Uh, don't mean to like tease out our listeners here, you know, <laughs> like put a put a little teaser. But no, it's just good. I, I was just reminded. I'm I'm grateful to have that we practice what we preach. Yes, that you and I continue to have a strong relationship to be able to go to those places of pain and be able to share openly. So I'm really grateful for you and that we have that relationship. So that wasn't planned, but we just. But while we're setting up our equipment, just started talking and blah, it just all spilled <laughs> out in
0: a good way, in a good way. In so, a really good way. Yeah. It's like that old saying, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out, you know? <laughs> <It's->
2: oh, another
1: <laughs> hockey reference. Here
0: sorry, we go. sorry. At least it's not a fly fishing <laughs> reference. <laughs> but I did notice that I'm we're sitting here with Spurgeon. Uh, he's on this beautiful glass, which yes. is good. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: You gave me this glass a few years ago. Uh, it's uh, just a normal you know, drinking glass, but on it, it has Spurgeon smoking a cigar. Have we
0: told the Spurgeon cigar story here? Yeah, but I think, I think it's have. worth mentioning again for those okay. that may if have forgotten. If you've heard it you remember it, <laughs>
1: listeners, just forgive me for just a second. But Spurgeon is my homeboy. I'm a huge Charles Spurgeon fan. Uh, he was called the Prince of Preachers. But uh, there were people that weren't so happy that he was a pastor and smoked cigars. And so one time there were people protesting outside of his church before he went to preach on a Sunday night. And, uh, he came out to talk to them and someone said like, we don't really love that you're smoking. And, uh, and he said, well, like if I smoke too much, I'll quit. And someone asked like, well, how do you know if you're smoking too much? And he said, if I have two cigars in my mouth at the same time, <laughs> I'm smoking too much. And I just love his humor and his wit. So, so good. we're not advocating smoking necessarily here on the, uh, on the show, but I just love that you got me a glass with Spurgeon with a cigar in his mouth well, because I laugh every time at that story. It's just fitting. I so mean, it is the only fitting. thing, that would make that glass better is if there were two
0: cigars in his mouth <laughs> Dude, we should totally get that printed up that's great for the Christmas gift for the pastor in your life this year <laughs> it can be yours for 3Z payments of $19.99 <laughs> oh, oh that's great yeah so you, you uh, threw a book out on, uh, I, th- I guess you tweeted it the other day, just in terms of some stuff with Dallas Willard, and you used a great term, Willardian? Willardian. Dang. Yeah. I just feel smarter saying that. But <laughs> yeah, so tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's a book. I'm not even super familiar with it. I've read all of Willard's
1: books, but I've never heard of this one, and it's called A Dallas Willard Dictionary, second edition revised and expanded by Elaine O'Rourke. I'm not uh, at all familiar with Elaine O'Rourke, but she's worked with the Dallas Willard Center out in California, and she's a spiritual director, has her DMIN, and uh, she basically took all of Willard's topics that his that he spoke on and drew from all of his books and then put his big ideas and quotes under each of the topics, which is fantastic. Alphabetized them. Amazing. And uh so I, I'm i only like 20, 25 pages in, but it's unbelievable. But one of the things that was really fun as I was reading through um, is uh, looking at the acknowledgements page. And on the acknowledgements page, she thanks Lacey Borgo. And Lacey Finn Borgo has been on the program with us, a friend of yours from mm-hmm. your uh, Portland Seminary uh, days. And uh, so... We yeah. thought it might be interesting to have a little bit more Lacey. So tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So we dug into the archive and we are going to be posting or, well, today the interview that we're having is going to be uh, an interview with Lacey again. And we're just excited to have an opportunity to listen to the wisdom that she shared. And and some of it too has really been sparked by, um, you know, both JR, JR and I have, um coach and we spend time with other leaders and other pastors. And there's a lot of buzz continuing around spiritual direction and the health of that, the need for that, um, debunking some myths about that and just the importance of it. And so we're also grateful that not only are we hanging out with Lacey again, it's like we're hopping in a time machine going back, but bringing it forward. But we also have a chance to learn some things that are really important for us now in the season that we're in.
1: Yeah. A lot of people have been asking recently, I think I need a spiritual director what is it again? How do I find one? And so, yeah, the, her description of spiritual direction was really good. So your suggestion was a good one, Doug, to, to pull, to, to dig into the archives and uh, have Lacey back on, uh, on the program.
0: So enjoy the re-airing of this conversation with our friend Lacey finn Our guest this morning is Lacey finn Lacey teaches and provides spiritual direction for the Renovari Institute and the Doctor of Ministry in Spiritual Direction at Fuller Theological Seminary, as well as other retreats and conferences. She is the author of Life with God for Children, a Curriculum for Spiritual Formation with Children. She is the co-author of Good Dirt, a devotional for the spiritual formation of families, which is built around the seasons of the church. Lacey also provides spiritual direction for children and their parents at Haven House, which is a transitional housing facility for homeless families. She has recently graduated with a Doctor of Ministry degree in Leadership and Spiritual Formation from Portland Seminary, formerly known as George Fox Evangelical Seminary. Her family includes two teenage daughters, one husband, two parents, four dogs, six cats, five goats, two horses, and numerous chickens, all within a quarter mile radius. She says, my greatest joy and honor is to walk with others as they seek to walk with God. Sometimes that looks like teaching or leading retreats. Other times it looks like spiritual direction, but mostly it looks like friendship. We are really glad to have our friend, Lacey Finborga with us this morning. We're really glad that uh, we have uh, Lacey with us this morning and just grateful for the opportunity we have for um, the conversation that's about to happen. And so Lacey, w- you know, I know that you wear many hats and you spend your time with pastors and ministry leaders all over the country. Um, what are you noticing in this season?
3: That's such a great question. Um, as I sit with um, pastors and ministry leaders, I um, actually all over the world, I have some directees in um, other countries as well that I meet with um, who are missionaries. Um, I'm noticing um, that pastors are beginning to ask good questions. I mean, for a while, pastors didn't allow themselves to ask good questions, but they're beginning to ask good questions like, why am I doing this? Mm. Mm. So like the old, um, just kind of rote ways of being in ministry are going away, it Mm, seems.
4: mm.
3: And they're asking questions like, how is my family? Like, Mm. how is my ministry impacting my family? Which wasn't necessarily the case. Mm. Um, They're asking questions like, how am I? Um, I, They're noticing um, when they feel themselves overscheduled, they're noticing um, their exhaustion, they're noticing their loneliness, their own wounds, and Mm. they're really seeking Uh, some support, um, and some help, uh, to be very healthy, um, uh, proclaimers of the good news. Mm
4: -hmm. Why do you think
1: that is Lacey? Why, why are these questions being asked in this season when they haven't been before?
3: Um, I think there's, um, there's probably a lot of reasons that go into it. Um, there's, um, there's never one <laughs> and they're always complex, you know, yes. it's like mm-hmm. this woven um, thicket of what forms us. Um, I think one of them is culturally, we're all becoming a little bit more aware, mm. self-aware. Um, I think the other is that there's a huge fallout in families. Mm. Um, generations of people are saying, I grew up as a pastor's kid or I grew up as a missionary kid and I am, ble- I'm bleeding, I'm, mm. I'm bleeding out. And so they're wondering, why is this happening? And we want a a healthier way of being in ministry. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's a lot of things. I think it's the movement of the Holy Spirit sort of over the world Mm -hmm. in Christianity right now Mm -hmm. that's saying, you know, um, this level of consciousness, let's all wake up to it.
1: And when it comes to, and I know you do spiritual direction, which is great, and You know, that's something that I encourage pastors to be involved in. But I I think that there's a lot of knowledge about what a mentor is and what a church planning coach might be or a leadership coach. Spiritual direction is there, but I think it's still gaining steam. And so I think sometimes when I talk to pastors, they say, oh, yeah, spiritual direction, and I realize they don't really understand the definition of what (laughs) spiritual direction is. So maybe for some of our pastors who are listening who may not either know spiritual direction, or maybe they know the definition, but may not understand its difference mm-hmm. of what it's not, or how it's different than coaching or having a mentor or somebody like that, even counseling. Could you tell us a little bit about what spiritual direction looks like and what benefit you've seen in the lives of pastors who've engaged in spiritual direction?
3: hmm Well, spiritual direction is an accompaniment ministry, and it's, uh, someone coming alongside of you to help you attend to your life with God.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, uh, as opposed to, sometimes we can figure out what it is by holding it up to something else. So if we hold spiritual direction kind of, um, up to counseling, counseling, you go into counseling with a problem and the counselor seeks to help you to fix that problem mm-hmm. or to invite God um, to work alongside you to fix that problem, but that's not true in spiritual direction. Spiritual mm. direction, we're doing no fixing. Um, you you likely will come in with a wheelbarrow of problems, as we all do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but our goal isn't to fix them. Our goal is to create a safe space for you to encounter God, mm. so that you and God can attend to your life together. Mm. And, um, uh, I was just, I'm thinking of, um, a few pastors, um, that are in my spiritual direction ministry and, and the theme, um, uh, every year or a couple of years, I sit down with each of my directees and I say, how's this working for you? Hmm. You know, where have you seen the Lord um, moving in your life? Um, since we've been in direction, what's kind of working, what do you wish was different? And, um, over and over and over again, I just finished all those reviews. Um, everyone said, it's just a safe place. I mean, mm. I have nowhere to go mm. because if they talk to people on their staff, mm. now there could be some um, conflict of interest. I mean, the, the gift of spiritual direction to ministry leaders is directors don't have a dog in the fight. Mm. I mean, we're removed from their circle enough that it's just not There's no, it's totally safe. There's no conflict of interest, and uh, so I, I have, I mean, just a couple of missionaries and um, pastors who have said to me, you know, you're just the place that I can go and talk about doubt, Mm -hmm. disappointment, sorrow. Maybe incredibly, I mean, one particular pastor is incredibly in this joyous season in her life, and yet her congregation is going through a collective time of sorrow. Mm. coming with her joy to that time of sorrow. Is, she can't do it, but she can do it in direction.
0: It's interesting because when we started this podcast, our tagline is a place where pastors can be people. And I feel like that is the gift of spiritual direction is I come in and I'm able to take off my collar or my hat or my stole and just uh, just see where God is at work. Um and yeah, it, it must be kind of, fra- I remember the first time I, I uh, was involved in spiritual direction and I sat down with my laundry list, my wheelbarrow bucket. I actually had a dump truck out back of problems and issues <laughs> that I, I wanted fixed fix uh, now. And um, I remember leaving uh, kind of disappointed in, in my first time, but also it was almost like a slow burn, like a workout when you're done and you're like, I, I'm really sore, but I don't think it helped anything. Um I felt like it was in the next two or three sessions that I started to realize, like, whoa, I'm hearing Jesus' voice and the affirmation of his love towards me, which I don't think I ever heard before. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm grateful for for that, for that work. And even realizing too, I think we've, you know, as someone who's been in ministry as well, as long as you have, um, I feel like in in, in that accompaniment Pastors tend to be really, and ministry leaders tend to be really lonely people. Um, And one of the things that you talk about in terms of what it looks like to walk alongside people is, I've heard you use the term spiritual friendship. And so what does it look like to be a spiritual friend of someone who is going through some difficult seasons or some loneliness or some of the other issues that pastors and ministry leaders face?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. So can I ask a a clarifying question? So do you mean spiritual friendship in terms of like a spiritual direction relationship or spiritual friendship just in and out in the world? I'd
0: love to hear both.
3: Okay, okay, (laughs) okay. Because there's, you know, there's those different nuances of spiritual friendship. So Mm -hmm. um, within kind of the how do we be a spiritual friend? I mean, maybe um, you are someone who's listening, who's a ministry leader, and you want to Come alongside your pastor to be a spiritual friend. So, how do you do that? Uh, Mm -hmm. One thing is that you keep silence. Um, When Mm -hmm. someone is speaking, we just don't offer them solutions. Um, We listen, we do a lot of listening, and we allow ourselves to be fully present. And that can mean um, that that means tabling our own inner dialogue and judgment. Mm -hmm. It means to use Ruth Haley Barton's phrase, it's to notice without judgment. So we notice their feelings, we notice their thoughts, and we are just simply a witness to whatever is happening in their life. And we keep our judgments and our quick and fancy solutions, because I've got a truckload of those to have (laughs) hired a driver for. (laughs) We keep those at the curb, and we just become fully present. And we realize, too, that when we become a, a spiritual friend to someone, that it risks some vulnerability. Because no two people come together and then the spirit is present in their midst that they both aren't changed.
4: Mm.
3: So if we choose to become a spiritual friend to someone, we know that we will be changed and they will be changed just simply in being present to one another. Mm. Um, It's it's sort of like the adage, just show up and shut up.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the Texas in you, which I appreciate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're welcome. I wasn't sure how far I could go Texan here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In spiritual direction, it, it, it means the same thing, it mm. means that we keep step with our directees. It means that we do show up and we do shut up. Um, It means that we help the directee um, to recognize the movement of God in their life. And God is moving in times of sorrow. And even when we can't sense God's presence and we help them to respond to that. So we make space to respond. Sometimes that response is silence. Sometimes it's lament. Sometimes it's joy. Um, but we attend to those two major movements.
1: One of the things I've noticed in the conversation here, Lacey, is your dependence upon the Spirit. And we know that we've got all sorts of pastors uh, from all sorts of uh, backgrounds and denominations. And some may come from more, more of a sensational understanding of the Holy Spirit. Some may come from a cessational side where the Spirit's not at work. But you seem to come in with a very um, invitational and subtle and I don't mean that in a bad way, but a, a very uh, it's not the fireworks, but the, the, the Spirit is present. How do you cultivate that in your own life? And what would you say to pastors of how do we cultivate this idea of the Spirit who Jesus says is to be our friend, our comforter, our reminderer? Maybe for some of pastors who may not be, you know, we preach on the Holy Spirit, but we may not have encountered the Holy Spirit in non-sensational ways. How would you want to encourage pastors to cultivate a life where the Spirit is our ever-present friend in our everyday activity?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I think um, a couple of a couple of responses come to mind. One is that um, in direction, whatever understanding of God that my directee brings, I meet them there. So mm-hmm. I'm very careful about listening. Um, directors are trained to be very careful about listening. And because we're not attending my life, <laughs> <laughs> we're attending their life. Mm-hmm. And truly, while I get the title of spiritual director, the Holy Spirit is the director.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So um, that's, that's a distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do I cultivate um, the sort of everyday attentiveness to the Spirit in my life? in my own life. Um, one way is to practice being present, really. Um, uh, I um, naturally, my natural inclination is to either ruminate on the past or plan for the future, mm. but the present is just really <laughs> it's just happening. And I sense the invitation and I need, and um, I cultivate um, responding to the invitation to be present with whatever is in front of me. Because that is where the spirit is active, right in front of me. It means um, my kids being present with my two teenage daughters. Christ have mercy. Um, in, <laughs> in the present moment, whatever is happening, vigorous fellowship that we may be having, having, whatever, um, being totally present and not, not leaving for the past and not planning for the future, but being present to them right then. So then after I am allowing myself, and how do we do that? We um, kind of use our senses to help ground us in the moment. What am I smelling? What am I seeing? Mm. And we let our bodies serve our relationship with God. Wouldn't that be novel um, to Mm. let our bodies serve our relationship with God? So after I ground myself in being present, then I begin to look for um, what is good, what is beautiful, and what is true.
4: Mm. Mm. And
3: those are always the movements of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the truth in something someone is saying the beauty um, in the way that um, my youngest daughter is a musician that she plays music um, um, whether it is the goodness um, of the um, woman who is checking me out at the checkout line at mm-hmm. city market. And she's gentle with my peaches, <laughs> 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 those kinds of things. And then just whispering again, it's recognizing, recognizing that and then responding just a simple thank you um, to the spirit for being um, so present and so good in my everyday comings and goings.
1: things, Lacey, you also talked about, um, and I know this is a lot of your past in terms of spiritual direction with not just adults and not just kids, but with families and family units. And you mentioned this earlier, how there's a lot of pastor's kids who are screwed up. There's a lot of MKs who are screwed up. And so we've heard a lot of the bad stories of how it doesn't end well. But I'm curious, where are you hearing family units who have had vocational ministry a part of their story that are really doing well. Um, I feel like I don't hear enough of those stories. And so uh, I'm I'm curious if you've heard some of those, even what are some ways you would want to encourage pastors to think about pastoring their family (laughs) and cultivating life at home so they don't grow up disgruntled or cynical, uh, you know, PKs or MKs who've left the faith. What is a cultivation in a pastor's life with their families for health?
3: I think that's it's. there's an interesting dichotomy here that um, if it's okay, I'd just like to push against. Sure. So this idea that we have like families that are working and families that are screwed up, mm. um, that's a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. All families struggle. Mm-hmm. That's why we live in community <laughs> because it's that struggle, that pressing against that helps shape and form us. So it, so in, I think, I wonder, I, I try to wonder, and um, I wonder if the better question is whether we're pastors' families, ministry families, when the struggle happens, how do we stay present to what the Spirit is doing within the struggle mm. and listen for the invitation of God? Mm. So all all children are going to struggle. I mean, they, the children have esoteric questions. I mean, they're asking these big questions when they're young. We just never listened very well. Like, where is God? Is God real? What happens when I die? I mean, I hear this from six-year-olds, right? Um, They're asking these big questions. So how do we as parents host those questions? Mm. And within a ministry leader's life, um, sometimes we make some assumptions or um, the community presses these answers down on the children Mm. instead of making sure there's plenty of error there. Mm. for the spirit to do what the spirit needs to do to cultivate living, loving relationship.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So yes. the, the easy answer, I mean, it's not easy. I'll just be entirely honest. It's not easy.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but the answer is that we present in the moment again, yeah. and we, and we create a family um, sort of ethos. That is all questions can be answered, can be asked. Mm -hmm. And just a sense of welcomeness in that.
0: Mm -hmm. So even thinking for, you know, uh, a pastor's family or a pastor who's listening to this right now, like what would one practice or um, just a a simple opportunity that they could cultivate within their family tonight at the dinner table or tomorrow morning as they're getting ready for school, uh, what would one of those practices be or something that they could work on to say, this is how we're going to change the ethos in our family of, you know, and leaning into questions, leaning into time together, um, and being present?
3: I, I think um, um, one of the um, most fundamentally transformative practices that's happened in my family and that I've seen across the board is to um, pray the examine, and that's, that comes from the Ignatian Tradition, but as a family at night before the kids go to bed. And I'm just going to confess to you that that is very, very difficult for me yeah. and has been. I've been doing it since the kids were little, so like 10, 15 years. But it's very difficult because I just want them to go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> so, so, or just be in your room so that I can have some time. Uh. Um, You know, my husband and I can watch a movie, we can pour a little glass of scotch, we're feeling better about life, right? But it's that time that children are most open, aware and tender. Don't ask Uh, me why. I'm uh, just saying that it is. They'll ask questions they would never ask then. Your teenagers won't talk to you any other time but then. Mm.
1: So, so true. true. Yeah, when you're most exhausted, and you just want to shut the door, go to bed. See you in the morning. But that's when no, they're you. most present.
3: That's right. The peace of Christ be on you. And now I'm going to go watch. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's that. That is the tender time. Mm-hmm. So you know, we go in with, and you're wondering about. You know, maybe some of your listeners don't know what the examine is, but it's yeah. just a time where maybe I can explain it. And if yes, yeah. go ahead, it, it, please. I'm, The first way is just a bodily symbol. Just as a family, you could come up with a bodily symbol of an awareness that God is with you. So maybe your family are um, Catholic or maybe your family um, uh, have learned to do the sign of the cross. I know some Protestant communities are like, yeah, we're so down with this. So maybe it's that you do the sign of the cross. Maybe it's that you have like a family fist bump. Maybe it's that you have like a family group hug, but something that you're all your bodies, and the reason is because children are very bodily. Mm. Um, Adults, we've moved all of our faith to our head and forgotten Mm. that we have bodies. Um, But children and youth are Mm. still like, dude, we have bodies. So get that in on it.
2: Yeah, that's great.
3: One thing to say, okay, God is in our presence, whatever Mm. is good for your family. And then everybody's all snuggled up together, maybe it's on the couch or wherever you want to have it, then begin to think back through your day, lead your kids through it in chunks. Mm. So meal to meal can be good. So from now until dinner, Mm. when did you see anything that was good, beautiful, and true? See, we're looking for the spirit Mm. and this lays down a neurological pathway in the brain so that when there, if you do this over time, again, repetition, it lays down a neurological pathway in the brain so that after a while they start to look for it in their day. Mm. So from now until dinner, from dinner until yeah. lunch, from lunch until breakfast and remember to include sleep because the spirit is active when we're asleep as mm. well. Yeah. And so just invite them to name the things. And sometimes they name things and sometimes they don't. Um, and then the second movement is now let's look back through the day again and name the ways, Um, that you didn't sense God was there. So now we come to questions. When did you see something that made you wonder if God was there? Mm -hmm. When did you see something that felt painful or sorrow? When did you see something or experience something, or maybe you were the provocator of something that you know just wasn't in sync with the Spirit? And sometimes that leads to confession, you know, like I did this and it's important as a parent at that time during the exam, to refrain from judging. Mm. You just want to be a witness.
4: Mm.
3: You, you know, if you need to do whatever you need to do later, but th- at this point, you are just accompanying your children. Mm. And then the third one, the third movement is look, look for what's tomorrow going to be like. As you mm. think about tomorrow, what do you feel anxious about? What do you feel worried about? What do you feel joyful about? And just listen to them share that. And maybe even remind them that the spirit is present when two or three are gathered. We're all here together. The spirit is with us. Remembering that nobody will leave changed, unchanged. And then the last one, just finish it off with one more symbol of God's presence. So another group hug, fist bump, sign of the cross, whatever is good for your family. And that practice over time, you know, maybe at first you do it twice a week. Some weeks you get in three, some weeks you're feeling really dynamo. You get in all seven days, you know, But you know, you're just doing it a couple times. Just keep it as a regular practice. It, it's uh, physiologically, it will shape the brain.
4: Mm.
3: Spiritually mm. It will shape the whole soul. Mm.
1: Mm. Boy, that's that is beautiful. Almost this family liturgy that you enter into together. Uh, and speaking of that, I'm curious, just, I know our listeners can't see it, but we can see it here, you on the screen. You have a candle lit behind you. And so I'm just curious, uh, I, I can guess and assume some things, but I don't want to do that. I'd rather you just tell us about it. Tell us about the idea of lighting candles. What is the, the role of, of candle lighting for you in terms of your journey with Jesus?
3: Um, well, actually right now, if you could see my kitchen table, it is Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And, as a family, part of our liturgy is on um, Monday Thursday, we read through um, John, so just that whole um, washing of feet, and we keep we keep uh, candles lit to symbol the light of Christ and Mm. the life of Christ. So we light them. Um, Many of us got up in the middle of the night last night, and I don't know who, but the candle was lit all night. So we Mm. just would go out and light another one. We have a big bowl of sand. Mm. Um, And at 3.30 today, we will put that candle out, Mm. and we will settle into um, the silence of Friday night and of Holy Saturday. Um, and, um, so the light represents Christ, um, and, um, and flame is just a really good way, um, to, because it's warm and it draws us in and it's also a little dangerous.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and potentially terribly dangerous. Like we've seen with, uh, Notre Dame and, uh, the cathedral coming down. All sorts of images, I'm sure, are going to end up in some Easter Sunday sermons, and about, especially uh, when you
0: live in a wooden <laughs> house.
3: Yes, I live in a log cabin, and there's like all books around here. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, do you do you utilize uh, candle lighting uh, outside of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, or is that reserved? I, I know there are a lot of spiritual directors I know and other pastors that. Actually, anytime they have a meeting, they light a candle and put it in the center of the table to remind them of Christ's presence and the Spirit being present. Um, So do you do that in other spaces besides uh, Thursday, Friday of Holy Week?
3: Yes, that's um, to remind us of Christ's presence. Um, I'm a spiritual director with children at Haven House, which is a Mm. transitional facility for homeless families. And I work with children there. And um, we can have no fire at the shelter. And Mm. so we have a little battery-powered candle. That's a regular part of our... Yeah of our yeah. rhythm. Yeah. Just a yeah. reminder, God is present. God is present.
4: Mm. Mm. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. So uh, it's interesting how you talk about, you know, kind of the false dichotomy of families and thinking some are screwed up and some are good or some are healthier than others and that all families struggle. So I would love to hear a little bit about Haven house and what it is like for you as you direct families and children who are going through extreme stress and possibly some trauma of being homeless?
3: Well, um, I I would like, I'd love to share a little story about that. Um, uh, One is that um, my daughters um, have been coming with me to Haven House lately. So I sit one with one in spiritual direction with children for six years. we're we're like around the six year mark Um, with most Wednesdays with children in Haven House. But my daughters came this last year and they started a math and science club. And, um, and it was great fun and a horrible mess, but they, <laughs> the generous, generous people at Haven house it, thought it was wonderful. So, so, um, uh, and Aiden, my eldest just had her last session at Haven house. And, um, as we were leaving, we always do the examine as we're driving out. Cause it's like a, it's like a 45 minute drive to our home back home. We were driving home, and I was saying, "Where did you notice Jesus?" Um, you know, just we were just doing that, and um, uh, and my oldest, my youngest daughter said something about heaven, and my eldest daughter said, um, "Heaven is back there," mm. pointing at Haven House because it was where it's where what God wants done gets wow. done. Mm.
4: Wow! Mm. Wow!
3: So can I just say that about yes. Haven House? Yes. That is it. Is it is heaven? On Earth, It is where God wants done, where addicts, um, where families, single parent, double parent, just generational poverty are finding some hope and some rhythm for the future. It is where what God wants done gets done.
0: Wow. How did you get connected with this work and uh, what has it been like?
3: I had to take a pastoral counseling class when we were in seminary together. And um, I I had to um, uh, apprentice with a pastor who um, uh, began uh, some work at Haven House when Haven House very first started. And we just were sitting around talking about it. And we had this idea, this brainchild together, uh, me and three other people. What if we did spiritual direction with the children? Mm, and wow. it's just, it's, I, I'm, I have a book um, coming out um, next year through IVP about it. Um, but um, it's not been done um, mostly because people underestimate the spiritual lives of children. Mm,
4: mm, mm.
1: Wow. And we talk, you know, and, and earlier talked about the bodily elements that kids understand that faith runs through our bodies, not just our heads. And, you know, it just makes me wonder when Jesus says, you know, we, unless we become like little children, right? Like the bodily, the, the embodiment of faith of saying, hey, kids get it. Grown ups, why don't you? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, even in our, our context at our church here on the north side of Philadelphia, it's oftentimes the kids that lead us in worship. They're in the back, they're spinning around, they're dancing. They are may maybe making more noise than uh, than the adults want them to, or maybe making more noise than and the adults to join in on that noise. Yes. But oftentimes they're the ones bodily understanding worship without a care in the world. They're not trying to impress people. They're not worried about what people think about them. And I just go, man, I think they get it more than I do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it's interesting. Spiritual direction, you're you're finding that, and you have realized that that no one else is doing it, but you're beginning to do it because you realize, man. Spiritual direction may be even uh, a little closer to heaven, <laughs> as your as your story revealed uh by having kids involved in the process. So that is fantastic. When does the book come out with IVP?
3: Uh it'll be spring. So okay. next spring. Great. I'm Great. just in the revisions now. Thus the face of humility. <laughs> <laughs> oh, humiliation.
0: Humiliation. <laughs> You're <They're> so <laughs> close, so yet so far away. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, kind of a shameless plug, but uh, I really have appreciated, um, you know, you did a devotional along with, uh, oh gosh. Um, ben Bart. Thank you. With Ben called Good Dirt. And we've been handing that book out to families, uh, the, the, the trilogy, the three books to our families when we have child dedication,
4: um, oh. because we've
0: just been finding it's such a beautiful tool to give people. And so, yeah, I I know uh, our church particularly has really just benefited from that. And my family has benefited from that, too, as I have an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. Um, and it's something that we've we've just continually come back to and just find such excitement in watching a 14-year-old create stuff that, you know, three years ago when he was 11 was creating and our eight, you know, seven-year-old is now creating. It's just been really fun to watch our kids Um Develop life with God, and even to see that from that perspective, yeah. um, you know. Thinking, uh, uh, part of what we do with this podcast is we also um, just create space for pastors to kind of talk about what they do in terms of to stay healthy, um, and we talk about Monday mornings as being mornings where they feel extremely depleted, um, potentially where they're most uh, they're most tempted to believe lies, and how do they stay healthy? And so, Lacey, what what do you do on your Monday mornings to stay healthy and to stay centered in his presence?
3: Mm, mm. Well, um, I don't have Monday mornings, so spiritual directors have different days, but yes, I understand what absolutely. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Monday mornings, I'm with directees, because um, uh, that's their day off.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm, So, so you're the one who's really busy on Monday mornings (laughs) dealing with all of our insanity.
3: (laughs) Right. So on my, on my days, I try to make space for solitude. Mm. So, um, uh, and that means, um, I go in and taking a walk. I I live in beautiful Western Colorado. And so I try to get outside as much as I can and just take some time to walk it off. Mm. Just walk it off. Mm. Mm. Um, If you're asking, like, what would I encourage pastors um, on their Monday mornings? um, I would encourage them to be gentle with themselves. Mm.
1: Mm. What a great phrase. Wow.
3: Be as gentle with yourself as God is with you.
1: Mm. Mm.
3: Pastors are notoriously hard on themselves. (laughs) Wow. So maybe just spend a little time in the Gospels, Mm. one where you've noticed that Jesus is gentle
1: Mm.
3: and be that gentle with you.
1: Mm. What a word. Yeah. The gentleness with ourselves. That's beautiful. Why do you think it's so hard for pastors to be so gentle with themselves, especially on Mondays, especially after coming off the high of, or the difficulty of Sunday? Why, Why is that so tempting?
3: Well, um, I think it kind of, it always depends on the person, of course, because our personalities are shaped in such a way, but, um, um, pastors, some, many pastors have particular personalities where on, um, as soon as they're done, they move into criticism mode. Mm. What did I, what did I, what did I do? What didn't I do that I should have done?
4: Mm.
3: And, uh, those shoulds will just eat you alive.
4: Mm.
3: And if I could, if I could throw in one Dallas Willard quote because I love to quote this man.
1: You can you can throw in as many yeah. Dallas Willard <laughs> quotes. This is not the first time on this podcast Willard has been quoted, and it won't be the last. So oh, good, go
3: for it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Dallas says that um has said that our habits eat our willpower for breakfast. Mm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So if I could invite a pastor to cultivate the habit. Of gentleness, because in the moment, your criticalness will eat your willpower for breakfast. So cultivate um, when you feel yourself beginning to be critical, just if you have an image in your mind, if you can just release that into God's hands. Notice Mm. when you're, we're we're as critical with others as we are with ourselves. Notice when you're critical with others, Mm. just be gentle with you. Release that. Mm. And even just pray again, maybe a small breath prayer of intention. God would when, when you notice yourself being harsh, God, would you help me to be gentle? Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. So speaking of Dallas Willard, um, Lacey, I know one of the hats you wear is you're you're very invested and involved in serve Renovare in some really unique ways. Um, yeah, for some of our listeners who may not know what Renovare is, and even um, even some of the incredible resources it can be for pastors. Yeah, talk a little bit about what, what's good and what's happening right now within Renovare.
3: Um, the Renovare Institute is just um, a robust two year spiritual formation program. Mm -hmm. Um, And people can get involved in that. We've even got a free class right now that Chris Hall is teaching online. Or I I think it's not free, but I think it's really in this fix of like 30 bucks or something Mm -hmm. on the Trinity. There's um, a a book club and um, I'm on the um, renovary ministry team. So I teach um, at two of the residencies and um, there's new things um, opening up. Um, so just, um, Renovari is, um, founded by a Quaker. So we move very, very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when, when Richard Foster says hurry is the devil is of the devil. Um, he's, he means it <laughs> Get in no hurry over anything. So there's, there's new ideas coming up and, um, there's a podcast there and those kinds of things. Um hopefully mm. more classes are coming on. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Renovari is, and, and certainly I know Willard, Dallas Willard was good friends with, uh, Richard Foster and, uh, and I'm involved with the Apprentice Institute, which we speak so highly of, uh, Renovari and, and there's, yeah, you you all have just put out such great resources over the, over the years. And so I'm really grateful for the way that you and others have, have really cultivated the souls of those who want to, uh, take seriously that their souls really are important. So, uh, yeah, that's fantastic work.
0: Yeah, so I think two, you know, a couple of questions that I'm just really interested in. Um I know that you have uh, a slew of animals uh <laughs> on your property. Uh which ones are 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 in the birthing season and which ones are driving you nuts at the time?
3: Yes, yes. Um, well, um, as you know, we used to have a lot of goats. We actually yes. don't have very many goats No. Oh. We've we've gone out of the goat. We're we're we've moved away from the goat scene.
0: You've got to be kidding me!
3: I know it's a, oh. Oh, oh. a terrible
1: oh. joke. Oh, that Doug. was so a terrible joke, Doug. That was good. That was so good. Sorry. That was awful. That was Sorry. awful. <laughs> Doug, don't Doug,
0: don't ever do that again. I'm going to do it again. But anyways, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs>
3: But we, um, we last spring, we had a little filly, a, cult, a little, ho- um uh, a horse. Oh, cool. And, um, so we're in a season of learning to train a horse <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, we are, I am learning so much about, um, a spiritual formation <laughs> in trying to train something that is in, en- she's enormous. Her wow. name is supernova, Nova, and um and how horses can read our body language. She <laughs> we use it against you. And um and um really too how horses um I, I've noticed they have a particular way that they can accompany us mm. and um help us um get in touch with God. So mm-hmm. it's an amazing, just these massive animals.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. We well, one that's of the uh, that's cool. One one of our um a good friend of ours is actually getting uh, she's been working towards uh and I don't exactly understand what it is but essentially seeing the way working with horses can help people with PTSD mm. in like really mm-hmm. um, profound ways and so yeah i've i've i can only imagine that there's a a huge uh, correlation to what god is doing in formation cuz i know for our friend it's been she's just been talking so much about the way she's seeing god at work in the midst of that um, yeah. So last question. Um, <laughs> if you could give every pastor or ministry leader listening one gift today, what would that gift be?
3: I would give them um, the gift of courage. Mm-hmm. The gift of having the sense um, that God is their greatest support. So that means that they could make big decisions like, Monday, I'm going to have three hours of solitude Mm -hmm. and not let um, anything interrupt it.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, The gift of courage to preach their convictions. The gift of courage to embrace and advocate for their family. Mm -hmm. The gift of courage to declare themselves the beloved of God.
0: That's beautiful, Lacey. Yeah, well, I embrace that gift of courage today, and I'm grateful for that. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. And we're really grateful for just the work that you're doing. We look forward to the book coming out and also grateful for Good Dirt and just the ways that you've been loving uh, people well and accompanying them through life. So thank you for joining us.
4: It's so good to be with
3: you both.
0: Wow, what a great conversation
1: with Lacey. My goodness.
0: Yeah. Every time I, I spend any kind of time, even if it's over a, a call with Lacey, I'm just amazed with the wisdom and even just the gentleness of her spirit.
1: Yeah, that's a good word, gentle. Yeah. She's very gentle. Thanks for sharing your friend with us and our listeners. Oh, like, man. That's, that's amazing. You've been talking about Lacey for years, and yes. this is my first opportunity to connect with her, so yeah. that's great. Yeah, so Doug, as you're hearing Lacey, you've probably heard a few of these things before, but... What are some things that stuck out to you either new or just you were reminded of what Lacey shared? Oh, my goodness.
0: I I love the way that she really embodies the rhythms of the church calendar year mm. in, into everyday life. Mm. First of all, I just I think a lot of that we can see um in her book Good Dirt, uh the book that that she co-wrote was just so powerful because it's family rhythms. How do we invest into these rhythms mm. and how do these rhythms really shape us and form us into the image of Christ. But for me, when she said, be as gentle with yourself as God is with you. Yeah. uh, My, my sense is that for for me personally, I can believe God's gentleness to everyone I come in contact with, but I struggle as a pastor to experience that for myself at times. And so just extremely grateful for that reminder today to say, be gentle with yourself as God is gentle with you. Uh, You know, I I think we can be very quick to flog ourselves and to beat ourselves up, and to recognize all the weak spots and low spots in our lives. And so, just to to sit with that has been so helpful and good.
1: Yeah. Well, as an Enneagram one gentleness to yourself is not something that we know how to do as ones. Yeah. And as an Enneagram
0: too, gentleness is what you do for everyone else, but you never experience it for you. So maybe we're just having our own therapy session that everyone else is just listening in on right now. So who do we charge?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was great. And then one of the things that she said, uh, you know, she talked about our homeboy Dallas Willard, you know, but she said, you know, our habits will eat willpower we eat our willpower for breakfast. And I've never heard Willard say that. Like that's an amazing statement, but yes. it's so true. So, you know, I'm just curious too, as you think about your own habits, Doug, like what are some of those habits that eat your willpower for lunch or breakfast or,
0: you know, whatever yeah. Do you have some oh, of those? Oh my goodness. I, boy, this really is turning into a therapy session. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would say in, in a healthy way, uh, the habit of silence mm. just informs my willpower to realize that I have to shut off all the other voices in my head and just allow space and quiet for nothing and for Jesus to show up in that space. Mm, that's good. Um, I think in an unhealthy space, uh, the the ha- my unhealthy habits of eating can be really uh, dangerous in terms, in terms of, of my willpower, willpower of yeah, like wanting yeah. things to be really healthy and like let's do this and then. After a stressful week, you know, mm. two, you know, instead of having a beer or two, having two or three yeah. and eating really junky, like just uh. that, it's just so quick to see how those habits can be very deformed. So quite literally, happen. it'll eat willpower right, for breakfast, right, or drink willpower for dinner. <laughs> I, one of the sure. two.
1: Yeah, I loved how she talked about the the family side of things mm. and uh, even the prayer of examine and it being very bodily. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just something about the practice of physiologically getting our bodies, you know, we're more connected of our souls and our bodies than we think. Yes. And so I love that she has her family like participate in uh, the prayer of examine every night, but to physically, whether it's a sign of a cross or some sort of acknowledgement. Yeah, I'm just finding myself doing that much more like the bodily side of
0: entering into that. I actually tried that with my kids the other day. Wow. And they thought it was the weirdest thing at first. And then I think it was... Sorry. We did it for two days in a row. It's day three is today. And, uh, they both yesterday, they were like, this was really weird. Two days ago, yesterday, uh. my, my daughter said, dad, this is really cool. Is this what Catholic people do? And uh. I, it was just funny because I we don't, do a lot of these traditions where yeah. we actually use our bodies to to make these symbols, uh, or to to kind of align our thinking.
1: Yeah, that's good. so
0: I was really encouraged by that, and even just realizing how my kids are connecting with Jesus in the midst. Yeah, of
1: that's great. Seeing how God is at work. Well, let's talk about some questions
0: and resources.
1: Let's start with resources. I mean, you mentioned her book, but uh, mention the title of the book again as a resource.
0: Yeah, it's called Good Dirt, and it is fantastic. For families, it is, in my opinion, it is the best family devotional out there. Wow. Wow. Because it, it just has beautiful, simple rhythms and it's not this extremely complicated way to think about forming our kids. Huh. Uh, it gets us interacting with scripture. It helps us to be creative. It helps us to pray as a family. It's it's great. We actually give it out to our mm-hmm. families when we do child dedication. We do yeah. that in Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm not going to introduce that right yeah, now. I just sure. did, but anyways. <laughs> um, and then I think too... Um, Lacey has a book coming out. Let's just be on the lookout for it on spiritual direction with children and yeah, really excited for great. that. And then lastly, I feel like the a great resource is renovare.org. And yeah. so if you're interested in learning more about renovare, spell that for people if they yes. don't know what that's what that is. Absolutely. It is R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E. .org. And yeah, you can good. check it out in our show notes as well. We'll have it there too. Yeah, um, good. But it's a good opportunity to see some of these really cool things that we have.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, one of the resources that we were also talking about earlier that we felt would be good to share with our listeners is knowing that um, energy, we're just so depleted on Mondays in so many different ways, Sun, Sunday afternoons, Mondays, whenever, all throughout the week too, that it's just an exhausting profession and calling that we're into. So, So, therefore, if we're empty and needing replenishment, we need to be aware of what our replenishment cycles are and also our own personalities. And so, one of the things when we work with leaders is just thinking through physical, emotional, intellectual and spiritual replenishment, which is the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. So how do we begin to do that? And so we just want to encourage you, this is both a resource and some questions as well. If you just create a big circle on your page and put replenishment cycle in the middle of the circle, and then just create arrows going north, south, east, west, and then four circles around that. And you can write physical in one, spiritual in another, emotional and intellectual. And then just spend some time thinking, how am I replenished? What does that look like for me on a Monday? So some people like working out. Some people say, I don't want to work out on Monday. I'm, de- I'm depleted. Mm. Uh, I want to work out on on my sabbath day because it, it does something good for me my soul not just my body some people want to sleep in or take a nap that's great um maybe in the intellectual side it's i need to read a good book or maybe i don't want to be intellectually stimulated i've been doing that all week maybe i read a novel that just helps me escape or play video games or <laughs> whatever it may be um, then on the spiritual side is it sometimes seeing a, a counselor or a spiritual director um Or uh, spending time in prayer, visiting a monastery nearby, uh, whatever it may be, praying uh, with my family, Uh, and then emotional. What does that look like to you know talk to a friend, or go for a walk, or maybe see a counselor? I would see a counselor oftentimes on Monday, just as a good perspective keeper. So
0: that's really wise, Jared, and I appreciate the way that you think about these these this replenishment cycle, both in permission to do and permission to don't. Yeah,
1: totally. Totally. And to
0: make sure it's life-giving and
1: not legalistic. That's I mean, It's so important that we stress that. But I find that where I'm at Sunday night or Monday morning to where I'm at Monday night, like Monday night, I should be. And oftentimes I have been saying, ah, Okay. Let's dive into Tuesday. That's awesome. And so anyway, but we just want to submit that to our listeners, to you all, in terms of the replenishment cycle, to think about that, to spend some time filling that out, and maybe even submit that to other people. Talk to a spouse or a friend or your elder team or... Uh, some other friends you may have just as a way of just submitting it to them so they can ask you about it and know more about it. So uh, Doug, let's leave our listeners with just a few questions before we go as well.
0: Yeah. I think for all of us, the biggest question is going to be, or or should be maybe on a regular basis is, am I as gentle with myself as Mm. God is with me? Mm. And if not, if I, if I can say yes, great. I think that's really good. But if not, I think that's a great opportunity to ask the second question. How come? Yeah, that's good. Or what's standing in the way of that? And secondly, uh, what habits do I need to be developing in order to see my willpower changing and shifting?
1: Yeah, that's great. And I know we want to be talking about habits and rule of life on some things here coming up. What does that look like in the life of a pastor? But yeah, what are the habits? I think even just being aware. Like, what are my habits? I have habits all the time, even the little ones I don't really pay much attention to that are either forming or deforming me um, towards or away from Christ. So, yeah, those are good questions. Well, thanks for joining us on
0: this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor. And uh, we hope you've been blessed and encouraged. Check out our show notes for the questions and the resources, as well as a way to contact us. We would love to hear from you. Pastors. May you be reminded that you have been given permission to be a person. You are loved not by what you do or by how well you do it. You are loved for who you are. And more importantly, to whom you are.